The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Some of you will be aware of the fact that uh, I've just got back from Uganda. We went uh, Sunday the 20th, Sunday uh, afternoon of Sunday the 20th. I went with Clive Horner and Valeri, who you can hear from in a few moments. Um, And so we went out to Uganda. I have been to Uganda a number of times before. It's a great blessing to go out there. Why did we go? You know, it's good for you to hear some testimony, but I think you need to understand that there was a, a real reason why we wanted to go. It's quite easy to go to Africa or to a number of countries and to go and preach because people... Uh, around the world, they want to be encouraged by people from other countries, just as we are encouraged by people from other countries. So it's not difficult to do that, but that's not the reason we went. We have a dear friend who has preached here, Charles Kaiwa, who is a Ugandan, uh, but has spent many years in the UK. Um, he's a dear friend of mine, and I've been meeting up with him and talking to him for some time about, really about going deeper in God, about connecting with the things of God. We know here we talk about prayer and we talk about what it means to be a Christian and how to live the Christian life and the fact that we're being changed by God and that he's doing a work in us. But so often we can just come to church on a day-by-day basis. We can look at Bromley and we'll reach out to people as and when we can. I still very much believe that we need to see the church on fire in this nation to see our nation being changed. I don't know what responsibility you take for the United Kingdom. But really, we want to see the laws of this land being changed to godly laws. We want to see people being set free from their bondages, being set free from their their ways of patterns of behavior to follow in the ways of God. And therefore, sometimes you think, well, how on earth is that going to happen? How is our nation going to be changed? And in truth, I don't know. Unless God moves, we don't know how that's going to be changed. But I do know this. We each need to take responsibility and to say, God, I'm going to play my part in seeing our nation come to faith. And that's something that burns within me, a sense of like, we must take our part because we want to see the reality of God doing his work in the church and the church being alive. So the church is no longer looked at as like, oh, they're just a group of people who like to sing a few kumbaya type songs. Um, We want to see that the church is the vibrant life of God amongst the community of believers. Incidentally, we saw that yesterday, I believe, when we did Love Bromley, seeing the church serving the community is one aspect of the church there. And thank you to everybody, by the way, who took part in that, because it was an excellent witness of the church to the community. But we went out to... uh, I went talking with Charles. Um, I wanted us to, to ask several questions. How is it that we can go deeper in prayer? And I know that from being connected with Uganda in the past, there is something in the Ugandan people about prayer that we want to learn from. And so I was having this discussion about how can we learn, what can we experience, and Charles said to me, well, look, come out to Uganda, and uh, we will get you to, to share some of the things that, y- that you are good at in the United Kingdom with us so that there can be an exchange, because we want to see an exchange. We need to see the Ugandan people being helped 
and we want to be able to help you. So we went out there specifically with that sort of in mind. Not quite sure exactly what the format at the time was going to be, um, which is always, like, you know, as a, a sort of a Westerner, we like to know where are we going to be, where are we going to be staying. Well, we found out where we were going to be staying, first of all, which I'm sure that Clive and Valeri might tell you about. It was a place that I suppose the only word you could use to describe it was disaster. <laughs> it was a disaster. Fortunately, we moved on from there to stay in a, in a hotel. Um, I said to the guys when we got to this place, I said, guys, I'm glad I'm with you because I believe that you can handle this challenge. <laughs> when I'm talking about challenge, it was dark. There was one small light bulb, but not in the right room. We'd just been on a nearly sort of 24 hours of getting there, you know, and we wanted to have a wash. So we went into the bathroom, which <laughs> it was seriously, seriously bad. No toilet seat, no toilet paper, no, no pillows on the beds and all sorts of stuff like that. In fact, we were greeted. We are like, there's a double bed, so who's going to stay in here? And I'm looking at Clive and looking at Valeria and thinking like, hmm. Uh, Anyway, we didn't, have to wait. we didn't have to suffer any of that, because uh, when Charles came and saw us, he says, guys, you're not staying here, uh, which I think we all praise the Lord for. Um, we, uh, Charles is connected to a church in Uganda, and I didn't know, I'd met the pastor once, but didn't really know about the church. It's called Gabba Community Church, and uh, they run a ministry called Africa Renewal Ministries, and so we went to a conference for five days with that ministry. And I can only say we were incredibly amazed, or whatever words I can use, uh, of what they have been doing. It's a church that has sought to uh, help babies that have been uh, abandoned on the street, and they've built a, a baby home. They've built a place then to, to bring up those young children. They've got a junior school. They've got a senior school. They've got a university. They've built a hospital. And they've been doing all of this in the community, this sort of fishing village community. And you can see over the period of time that they've been doing this, how this practical help in the community has really helped to change people's lives. Uh, there was a lot of witchcraft in the area. And through prayer, they've been able to break those things. In fact, one of the witches' houses is now part of the church campus. They bought that land and the witch moved out. And, and so you can see the kingdom of God as being established in that place and the transformation that has taken place. I, I don't think anywhere that I have seen such a great work that's been done. I was thoroughly impressed with what, they were, what they've done. And the conference they put on, I was impressed with as well. It was running on time, it was organized, it was brilliant. They fed us, it was, it was incredible. And although I say that in a jokey way, if you've ever been to Africa, you, or you come from there, you'll understand that sometimes the watch slips off people's wrist. <laughs> At least that, and they just seem to have lost time. Uh, but this was very well organized, we were very encouraged with that, and uh, to see the work that had been done. There was a challenge though, because I've been to many conferences in Uganda, and some of the teaching wasn't quite as deep as I was expecting or wanting. But what I saw in terms of connecting with the community and seeing community transformation, this was amazing. And this church has planted 600 other churches around Uganda. And they are seeking to bring that type of transformation into various villages with those churches where they have planted out to, and now they're moving out to plant into Rwanda as well, and seeking to do projects. So it's like they're bringing the gospel, but alongside the gospel, 
there needs to come support for a community to bring and to develop a community so that it becomes a kingdom community and that people can see the change. Because some people, they get to know about the gospel through the blessing and help that people can bring to their families. Well, why are you helping us this way? Why are you helping with my children? School fees is a massive problem. You have to pay for education in Uganda. And so if you're poor, guess what? Your children don't go to school because you can't afford it. So if you have a church that's coming in and is starting to have a facility where it's taking children and educating them, what a blessing that is to your home and how it lifts up a home. And so there's tremendous help as far as that's concerned. Having been at the conference for a short while, um, we then went to... Uh, Charles took us to visit a number of people. Actually, we started off by Sunday. Last Sunday, we were preaching in uh, a, Makono a Makono district in Uganda, so a couple of miles outside uh, Kampala. And we were there last Sunday morning. Um, an interesting service. It started at 9 in the morning, so we had to get there early. Um, the guys can explain about traffic conditions and things in Uganda, which are fairly extreme. Uh, we got there, had a great service. I was able to preach at that service. Uh, I preached, and then Charles followed up. Um, and there was amazing things happening. There was deliverances happening, uh, people being set free. There was one particular girl who was... Uh, I've never seen this before, but she was literally writhing around on the floor like a snake. And uh, a lot of work had to be done with her. But we found out afterwards that she was an orphan and she had been dedicated to one of the altars in the area, serving the, the demonic forces. And uh, it was very, very challenging. Um, and through, we learned a lot of things uh, about that. So there was real things that we saw, which was one of the ideas that Charles wanted to expose us to those types of things. And he also enabled us to, to meet up with some uh, very godly men. Uh, one guy called uh, Bishop Joshua, who was uh, the man in charge of the Pentecostal churches right across Uganda. We had a very brief meeting with him. But you know when you go into, you've got a meeting organized, you've never met the person before, you go in, so it's a bit like, uh, so, you know, and I've got 10 minutes, uh, so, uh, but in that 10 minutes, the presence of God came and uh, we just had a wonderful time with this man. I just said to him, look, we've come here to Uganda because I believe there are wells of revival in this nation. And we need, we need that revival. What do we need to do? And he talked with us and he shared with us very graciously. And he said, you need to pray. You need to connect with God. You need to get with people. He said, it doesn't matter about the size of your church. It doesn't matter about the conditions of where you are. God is able to bring breakthrough, but we need to seek after him. A very gracious man. And again, we met another, another man who has a sort of deliverance ministry. Um, we went to his church. You know what you've got in your mind? You, you, oh, this guy's a church pastor. Okay, we'll go to his church. When we got to his church, it was this fairly large compound. Well, it didn't look like it at first, but you thought, this is quite big. And then we went to see the new church building that they are building, it was like an enormous warehouse. It, it would easily seat a thousand people. Easily seat a thousand people. Uh, it was uh, huge, and they were talking about having services there. And then he told us about how they had seen transformation of that community. Again, through prayer, encounters with demonic forces, rising above those things, and seeing breakthrough that people start to get saved. And now they're running this phenomenal church where, again, the community is being affected 
by the things of God. As the UK, it was back in the sort of 1870s that we sent missionaries from this country to Uganda. So we're not talking 150 years ago, not long. That's when the missionaries first went out to Uganda. And the Ugandans are so blessed with the fact that we brought the gospel to them. It first went out with people, Anglicans went out there. A first bishop uh, was actually murdered. And he said as he was being killed, I'm paying the price for this nation with my blood. I'm opening a way for the gospel. And those missionaries came in and they, they built churches and the gospel flourished very quickly in the nation. And after about five years, it said that there was about 70,000 people who were attending churches in, in Uganda. So that's a tremendous move of the Spirit that took that. But you know, as time goes on, and we would reflect this in our nation, as time goes on, there are times when you get excited about God and then you find that your, your Christian life is sort of, well, it's just, you know what I mean? You know, there's a sense of, well, I got saved and everything was wonderful or... And then it sort of just carries on. And the same thing happened there. And when you come to the sort of the mid-1920s, there was a sense in which the church was growing, but where's the vibrancy of the life of God? And how is that affecting people's day-to-day life? Because there were still issues amongst those people who were attending church, drinking, witchcraft, immorality. Those things are still happening amongst the church people. There was a guy, Simeon Sibambi, who said, I don't understand this. He'd come out of the army, and he was saying, in the army, I had a captain who looked after me, and he told me what to do, and if I didn't obey his instructions, then whoa, there was difficulty. So he understood army life and authority, but here in the church, he was saying, well, where is the captain? God is our captain. What's the matter with us? Why are we not obeying God? What's the problem? He kept asking lots of questions and seeking for what he said. He wanted a deeper life with God. There was another Englishman called Joe Church who had come from the UK through Uganda and was operating in uh, Rwanda at a mission station there. When he came for the first two years, there was such um, famine in the area that he was just dealing with people who were dying and in a sense he was so broken with what he saw and the inability it seemed to be able to bring change. He went back into Kampala for a rest. And in Kampala, he met up with this other man, Simeon Sibambi. He had actually heard him preach uh, a couple of months before. And they talked together about wanting this deeper life with God. It's not like becoming a special Christian. It's like saying, we want to see the life of heaven here upon the earth. We want to see the reality of God in our day-to-day lives. They talked for two days, just sharing together, praying together, encouraging each other. And, and in some senses, nothing particular happened, but when they went back to their different countries, i.e. back to Rwanda for Joe Church, but staying in Kampala for Simeon Sibambi, God began to move. And from that time, the revival, which is now known as the East African Revival, was birthed. When, the man went, when Joe Church went back to the hospital situation in Rwanda, he started to see people being saved. And as people were being saved, change began to happen. There was one particular difficult man amongst the community of the hospital staff who was causing all sorts of problems. And he went to visit Simeon Sabambi. Sabambi told him, are you born again? Challenged him about what was going on. And although the guy didn't get born again then, on the journey back, he met with God. 
and he was just like, he saw his sinful behavior and repented. And when he got back to the hospital, people would say, what's the matter with you? Because he publicly repented of his behavior. He returned things that he'd stolen from the hospital. And you can imagine, somebody that was the most difficult person is suddenly behaving in a completely different way. Everybody's going like, whoa, what's going on here? It started to cause a complete outbreak of God amongst the hospital staff. Many people got saved. And so the revival began to change in Rwanda, but also in uh, Uganda itself through what Simeon Sabambi was doing. This revival went on and on and stirred and stirred in the nation. And it affected a number of countries, Democratic Republic of Congo, it affected Tanzania, Kenya, Burundi, right across this area of East Africa, this revival came. But of course, as with all revivals, it, it has effect, lots of people get saved, and then people start to slip back into their patterns of behavior. And of course, Idi Amin, when he came to power, he actually attacked the church. He declared Uganda to be a Muslim state, and he attacked the church, burnt churches, killed pastors, so much so that people were afraid to meet publicly as Christians. But it was during this time that people went back and hid in the bush and prayed in the bush, and they started to realize, unless God comes, there's no hope for our nation. And that's the days of Idi Amin. Now, we don't have Idi Amin ruling this nation, despite what anybody may think about Theresa May or what's going on at the moment. She's not the same. But there is a sense in which we have to say, God, please, will you come and meet with our nation? And for them, they were praying, and the church leaders, in secrecy, they learnt that we need to pray. There was a desperation in their prayer. God, please, come back to this nation. Come and do what you have done in the past. And it's out of that time, so we're talking about the late 70s, early 80s, that there was a renewal of life in the church. And it's out of that renewal that my friend John Melindy was saved and came into that. Charles Kaiwa, another young man, saved and came into that. These people who came through that period of time, there's something in them of the revival stirring again. And that's why I wanted to connect with Charles. And these men that he introduced us to, they carry this fire for changing nations. It's, what are the secrets of it? that we need to go before God in prayer and we need to seek him. But the encouragement is if we seek him with all of our hearts, we will find him because God says, I will be found by you. So this is a stirring particularly that affected me. There's lots of different stories that we can tell. Let me get the guys up here, Clive and Valeri, come up here and tell a few more little bits and pieces of what happened. Because there's lots that I've left out. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. He didn't, he didn't let me know I have to speak today. <laughs> it's a surprise. Yeah, it's, it really was a very good time for us in many ways. Like Jonathan said, it's big bazaar there. The first miracle is we are alive, come back. It's a driving issue how people drive on the roads. I've been driving through the Europe, through the Moldova, Ukraine, but I never saw a particular way how African people drive. <laughs> they drive everywhere, where the roads, where no roads. It pollution does everywhere. <laughs> but thanks God. And personally, me, I didn't know 
uh, from uh, when the Pastor Jonathan sent the email saying, oh, would you like to join me to go to Africa? Uh, my first thought was, what? I have to go there. And I check on the map, it's quite far, and said, I can't drive there. <laughs> <laughs> and we get the plane, it's good. But I was asking myself, why God, you want me to go there? But what I did, exactly what he instructed me to do on the email, he said, no, speak to your family and let me know after. So, I don't know, it was a mistake or not. I spoke to my wife and she said to me, yes, you have to go. <laughs> so, uh, this is where I realized I need to go there. And it was a challenging time for all of us. But, I'll tell you, we need to go for the next step, like from here to here in God. We need to go to next step. Without next step, we cannot beat the evil. Because it's everywhere. We can't imagine. Reality of spiritual forces, which in this country, it's incredible high. We need to stand up on next step. This is what we need to learn. And them guys, they have something in them. And thanks God we've been there and we learned many things, and I hope we're going to do something here as well. May God bless you. Amen. It was a joy to be with Jonathan and Valeria. We, we did laugh a lot, actually. We really laughed. I haven't got time to tell you that stuff. It was so funny, though. Really, I just want to thank our wives, actually. Thank you. Alvira? Thank you. I didn't expect to cry this early. <laughs> Maybe later on. Um, yeah, thank you very much. It's a precious thing to go. You know, I mean, I know we're very privileged to be able to uh, afford to go somewhere like that to Africa. It's the, I mean, Johnson's been many times. This is my fifth time. So you're not quite sure what to expect in one sense either because we've been to Africamp. But when I've been before, we've been before, we've been to like a, in, in, almost living in an enclave in a nice hotel and that sort of thing uh, for five days, go to a conference and you go spiritually, go deep and that thing's, and it's been a very precious time. And then after that, you go up to Prayer Mountain and Prayer Mountain is another sort of enclave story where you, you go and you go and pray in the bush and that sort of thing. So I knew it wasn't going to be quite like that because we weren't doing that this time, but we stayed in some different circumstances, didn't we guys? It was a bit different really. And, and we were out in the community more. We were close and, and we were driving around a lot more and we visited uh, several churches and people. So we really felt, I felt that we saw Africa really much more than before. And as Jonathan said, it was a, a very special, special and precious time. I'm not sure, so sure about the food, uh, to be honest. And I, I've several times asked them to forgive me for being so fussy. I don't think I'm that fussy really, but I don't know about you, Gizzard, I don't think so, do you? I just If it's on the menu, you say, you're gonna, yeah, I know, you're going to go, don't know. I mean, Valeria says he, doesn't cook, he cooks it much better than that. I'm thinking, you cook gizzard? Are you, are you sure? So, yeah, we had, we had things like that. Now, I don't know about you, but if you think about it in your spiritual life, for those who are Christians here, you think of the time when you've really come before God and you've given your life to him. Well, we, for those who are Christians, you know the moment probably when you, and you know, I can remember, 40-plus years ago, getting on my knees in my bedroom and giving my life to God. And then there are other times, you know, you do, and, and rightly so, you think, do you know what, I need to give my life to God again. I, I do. I, I genuinely believe this. And I can remember moments uh, when I did that. Um, Africa camp, the first time I went, 
I can, I can see the chair. I turned around and knelt on the chair. I thought, yes, I believe this. I need this. I do. That was the case again. Now, it's not about going to Africa. You can do that anywhere. But you, in one sense, have to allow God to give you a time to get to that position. And that's why some of you guys, when you went to Soul Survivor, you went to somewhere where you could. There's a lot going on everywhere, isn't there? But, you know, there's a sense that somebody's maybe speaking and preaching. And, you know, I need to respond to this. Now, there's a lot of stuff about age going on in this particular conference. And I, was, I felt very, very old. Okay, I really did. Particularly when the pastor there, Pastor Peter, I thought, how many was he? Was he 56? I think he was 56. And he said, as the average age for men dying in Uganda is 53, he's already passed the date. So he was, there was a lot about passing on batons and things like that. Uh, and, you know, you need to, who's going to pass a baton on? There was a lot of that sort of stuff going on. I don't need to tell you how old I am, but I'm a lot older than that, so I'm well past that day. I was also very interesting about there that I looked at my notes, actually. I've been quoting something different, but 50% of the people in Uganda, 50% of the people in Uganda are under 15 years of age, which is extraordinary. You can imagine that when you're looking at it, the, the young people we saw there in the streets and everything like that. And there was a lot of stuff been spoken about running the race. Now, I don't know how many years I've got left. God knows. I don't know, 20? I don't know. Maybe 25 at most. I want to run a race. It's too easy just to say, you know what, I peaked. I'm on the slope down. Isn't it? We're here for a purpose, folks. We're here for a reason. We've got something to give. My neighbour is still not saved. Somebody's got to tell him. And the other thing I felt was about breakthrough. One of the guys was speaking, speaking about breakthrough. I can't read it now because I'm crying. I can't see the words. No point, is there really? But, they, you know, he was preaching about breakthrough. And something about this, this message that we've heard in Africa is about breakthrough for us. Because it's not just, I mean, Jonathan's told us about something about the history of that. There's some, there is something special there. Something of God that we haven't really got. Which is why we're searching for it. But I don't know about you, but I want breakthrough. I want breakthrough in our Alpha course. You know, God's done some amazing thing in Alpha. But I want breakthrough. I want to see people really saved. I'm not interested in this church being packed out. I'm interested in people being saved. I don't mind where they go, but I want to see them saved. I want to see breakthrough. And they've got some breakthrough. They know about coming into the presence of God and seeing breakthrough. A lot of it is about how much time we're willing to spend in the presence of God, calling upon him, I know that some people here, some of you guys might testify to this, but when you've come to this church, you walk through the door and you walk in the door for the very first time and you go, there's something going on here, I can feel it. Now, that's not credit to us, it's the glory of God and the fact that we celebrate Jesus all the time here. That's what you get. 
when you go to Africa and you go to some of those meetings, you think, there's something going on here, I can feel it. I know I've come into the presence of God. That's what we want more of here. And I want to be in a situation where when I'm talking to my neighbor, he's thinking he's got something there and it's, the, it's Jesus, the Holy Spirit moving. We need breakthrough, folks. We need breakthrough. And we're going to connect with some guys and they're probably going to come here to help us get closer to God. Thanks very much. In, in truth, it's difficult to communicate, uh, you know, in a few words, exactly what has happened. But I believe that the experience is, is, if you like, the only way I can describe it is that we went there to drink from the well that is there in Uganda, a well of revival, that we may be revived, but that also that we can give back to them anything that we have. And you think, what have we got in the West? Well, there, of course, there's finances, resources, that's true. But there's also skills that are necessary. When we went to this big warehouse of a church, they had just put up a steel framework, and it was vast, big framework. And they were talking about, well, you know, we want to put a ceiling in. So, obviously, Valeri's there with us, and Valeri was suffering. If you don't know that Valeri, in his work, he supervises builders putting up partitions and all that sort of stuff, done to extremely exacting professional standards. He suffered because he noticed that the standards in Africa were, were different, quite vastly different from what he was expecting. So he sees things out of alignment, like in you know, our hotel, or particularly in my room, there's a small bathroom, that's fine, they don't need a big bathroom. But it is so nice to be able to open a door fully. My door opened as far as the sink, and you had to get in, and then try and close the door behind you before you could even get to go to the loo. Uh, you know, those sorts of things. As a professional builder, it sort of messes your head up. So anyway, we're talking to the pastor, and he says, yeah, we want to do the ceiling here. So Valeria says, hmm. Well, and he was looking at the uh, scaffolding that they had, which is eucalyptus trees. He said, I think you might need to get a proper professional uh, organized platform to start off with and you know he was going through all these things but you realize suddenly actually if they knew the type of materials that we use here and that some of them are available there it's not they're not available they just need to be taught how to do things properly and that's a tremendous skill to be able to give to them and you know some of those things we just take for granted the fact that we have tools here we take for granted there was a guy in the hotel who was putting in just a small downlighter and we were sitting there watching. Valeri was squirming around. What's the matter, Valeri? He's doing a good job. Yeah, but he, was, he put a hole in the ceiling with a screwdriver, and then he cut the rest out with a Stanley knife. And Valeri's thinking, like, where is his drill? Where's the, you know, the, the bit that's the right size that you put it in the right place and things like that? He was measuring what he had to do on the ceiling. What the work he had to do was on the ceiling. He was measuring it out on the floor, looking up like this. <laughs> And Valeri said, I think it might be better if you got a ladder. We'll show you the picture of the ladder at one point that he bought in. It was made out of trees and stuff like that. And you think, like, what is going on? So after we prayed for Valeri, he recovered his strength. And there are stories like that. And there's many things. What I'm trying to say is there's things that we have which we take for granted in the work that we do, our organizational skill, our computer abilities. It's not that they're computer illiterate. It's how we organize ourselves. There's something about us that we do here that enables more efficient work to be produced. 
and they don't have that. It's a skill that you think, like, well, that's nothing. It's something that they don't have. And that's what we want to share. What can we share with them? It's almost a benefit. We could send Valeria and Vadim out there for uh, three or four days, and they could teach a group of people and disciple a group of guys in building that could actually help them become better and have a good business. That's a benefit. But we want to receive from them what they have in prayer. We know how to pray here, don't we? We can pray, and many people do pray. But you see, they know how to pray to engage spiritual forces, to see breakthrough, and to see the, the kingdom of God being established, and to see breakthrough in communities where people who were not interested in the gospel can become interested because the powers of darkness that are ruling over them are being transformed. Do we need that in the UK? We do, but you know, part of us would say, well, I'm not quite sure, actually, because do we have spirits here? And it's in truth, and I don't blame anybody, we're not quite sure. You see, when you have conversations with people who have been brought up where their family goes to a witch doctor, I was told on numerous occasions, we know the power of darkness. What we found when the gospel came is this God able to be better than the gods that we're already serving. And when they saw that God, our God, is higher and is able to change and is able to bring transformation and breakthroughs that these other gods can't, they know that this is the God whom they need to serve. Now, for us, we'd say, which doctors? Well, we don't have them here. We don't understand what's going on. So there's a lot that we don't understand, which is a way that the enemy can hold us in darkness. You know those feelings when you come to pray sometimes, you think like, oh, you know... I believe God can, but I just I feel a bit washed out, really. Did you realize that that's the power of darkness that is hovering over you, wanting to stop you connecting with your God? It was described like this. Satan is like a bully, a school bully, who tries to keep you in your place and to push you down. But through prayer to God, we can come against that bully and see that bully put in his place so that God may reign. These are simple ways of describing it, but these are truths. I was praying and asking God, God, what it, you know, show me in your word. Remind me about these things. That scripture came to me from Jeremiah 29 where it says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And so often, why does it take, you know, they talk about why does it take this desperate prayer? Why does it take strong prayer? Why does it take the, the, the why do we have to have this attitude of pressing in in prayer? What do all these mean, words mean? They mean this, you become wholehearted. I must seek God until he comes and answers my situation. You don't get like that unless things are desperate. And here in truth, life isn't desperate. See, when you have no food and you have no money, there is a sense of desperation that comes to you. And so therefore you pray. But when we have money, when we have food, and it's not just food for today, well, we've got cans in the cupboard or something. We could survive for a week, maybe longer. We've got a freezer that's got stuff in. We're not facing those same things, so the desperation is not there. And yet in one sense, when we look at our families and the problems that they're going through, you know, brothers and sisters, mums and dads, children, 
wider family members, people at work, we hear of their stories, people suffering with cancer, or this person's had this accident, or this difficulty with that child, and you hear about the problems around us, we realize, God, we need you in our communities. We need you in our families. And we need to be more stirred to become desperate to see God come, and even to bring salvation. Do you know, at the end of Yesterday Love Bromley, we'd have many conversations. We were just packing up, and there was an old guy sitting on the bench. He had his head in his hands. And I thought, something wrong. So I plucked up the courage just to say to him, sir, are you all right? And he says, no, I'm not. So I just sat and talked to him. I didn't lead him to Christ, but I did talk to him. And as I talked to him, he told me about a car accident that he'd had. And, and he said, well, how old do you think I am? And I said, I don't know. And obviously, that's always a difficult question to answer, isn't it? You think, do I go low or do I go high? You know, where am I going to go? Anyway, I pitched in at higher. Well, that's interesting you say that, Mark. I pitched in at 76. Should it be higher or lower? Lower. No, it was higher. It was higher. He was 89 years old. He'd driven his car into a bus and had obviously not a good idea. Um, and he was troubled by all of that. And he talked to me all about that. I said to me, can I pray for you? He said, no. But we just carried on talking, or rather he carried on talking. As he carried on talking, he started to talk to me about his marriage that broke down 40 years ago. He talked to me about how his wife had passed away recently, and he'd been away, but she'd been suffering. And it was obviously touching his heart. He talked to me about how he had tried to commit suicide when his wife wanted a divorce. I said, let me pray for you. He said, yes, okay. Is there suffering around us? It's huge suffering. Do we want to see people being touched with the gospel? Yes. Have we tried and felt, oh, well, I've done that, it doesn't seem to have power? So what have we got to do? We have to learn how to break the spiritual authorities that are ruling over the nation. We have to see change because we want to see our families, we want to see our community being transformed. The darkness that's hovering over. I know for some of you, there's a sense in which you come to church because you love the community of the believers. You're listening to the message, you love the message, but it's somehow, how can I get that message in me? You've got something which I'd love, but I don't seem to be able to have it. How can that happen? That gets broken by prayer, and prayer where you're coming before God and saying, God, I must meet with you. There's a desperation that has to arise that causes us to go before the face of our God. God is not cheap. He is a great father and a great companion and a lover of our souls. But you know, some things don't come cheap. I can tell you stories that I've heard, but there's a sense in which if you are serving a witch doctor, a witch doctor demands that you make sacrifices. He demands payment for these things. God demands no payment from us, but there is a sacrifice that we need to make, and that's the sacrifice of our lives. We need to surrender ourselves to him. Nothing comes cheap, not even with God. And he desires our time, he desires the passions of our lives, he desires us to come before him and to seek him. But he is a good God, and he wants to facilitate his kingdom. When we say, God, I want your kingdom here, what we're really announcing is a battle cry to the enemy. We don't want the enemy here, we want the kingdom of God here. And I can declare here, we want to see the kingdom of God come amongst us. And we need to press in before God and learn many things. This, I'm not at all saying that I have learned it all. I went to Uganda because I don't know, but I want to learn. I remember sitting in the bishop's office, or was it, I don't know, whether it's the bishop's office or the other guy's office, 
He said, what have you come here for? And I said, listen, we've come to humble ourselves and to say we want what you have. Please, will you help us? And when you find men of God who are running their big ministries, they say, listen, we'll do whatever we can to try to help you. That's a blessing. And that's the blessing that we received. And I believe that there are things that will happen to continue to strengthen us to serve God. Let's rise together and just...